as well. All right, if you've got a Bible this morning, 1 Samuel is where you want to get. And uh, as you're turning to 1 Samuel, we're, we're, we're kind of doing a little mini summer series out of the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, let me remind you, as you're, as you're getting there, that this book is, is a key book in your Bible, as all books of the Bible are key. Uh, doctrinally and historically, and also inspirationally, God has some tremendous things for us to learn. Historically, where, where we are in God's timeline is in the time of the Judges. And so the book of Judges uh, and the book of 1 Samuel kind of dovetail together. This is right at the end of the time of the Judges with the nation of Israel. And if you've, read the time, or if you've read the book of Judges, you know that Israel is in the promised land. They're in the land of Canaan. And God tasked them, when you get in there, there's some enemies that, that are there that you need to deal with. You need to drive them out. And God has promised to, to give you this land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. There's tremendous blessing in this land, but there's also battles to fight and it's a lot like our salvation. You know, salvation isn't the, the end of the journey for you and for me. As a matter of fact, it's just the beginning, right? And even after you get saved, God has a, a, a journey for you to accomplish, and there are battles to fight. Has anybody faced any of those battles this week? Man, our flesh, the devil, the world, these are things that we constantly have to deal with. And so Israel is in the land that God promised, but they failed to drive out their enemies because they became apathetic. They became apathetic toward God and His Word. As a matter of fact, God gave them this land of blessing under His promise to Abraham. Joshua led them in, they went in, and they began to conquer, but they had a failure in this land. They failed to fulfill what God had intended, and they also failed to pass down the things of God to the next generation. As a matter of fact, let me Keep your hand in 1 Samuel. Can you go back to Judges chapter 2? And I, and I want to just show you, we have to be intentional as a church to reach the next generation. As a matter of fact, if we, if we don't have a focused effort to make sure that we pass the things of God on to our children and our grandchildren, we're only one generation away from, from complete apostasy concerning people having a relationship with God. Do you, do you understand that? That, that's a significant warning for us. Look at Judges 2, verses 7 through 10. And this is a sobering passage. So it says, The people served the Lord all the days of who? Of Joshua. Joshua is the one God used to lead Israel into the promised land. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, what happened? He died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnathares in the Mount Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaish. And also all that generation were gathered under their fathers. In other words, they passed away. Okay, so, so Joshua's generation was faithful to God. And the guys that were with Joshua, all the elders that outlived him, they were faithful. And then the, the guys that outlived Joshua... Well, they were faithful to God. But, but man, check this out in verse 10. It says, There arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. 
And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served who? Balaam. Man, I'm telling you, listen, we're a generation away from, from a, a generation that doesn't know God and doesn't love God and doesn't serve God. They don't know who God is and what God has done. And that's what happened in the book of Judges, man. When the generation got apathetic toward God, well, it not only affected them, but it affected their children and their grandchildren. So much so that now there's a generation that doesn't even know who God is, what God has done, and they're worshiping, but they're worshiping the wrong God. Now, now if you need to know what's wrong in our country and our culture, I just gave it to you. I just gave it to you. We, we are now seeing the result of apathetic Christians that haven't reproduced into the next generation. And so because of that apathy, it ultimately leads to apostasy. And, and listen, because Israel failed to drive out these false gods and this false worship, they became susceptible to those influences. You see, when we get saved, the battle really begins. And God saved your, your soul from the consequence of sin and the penalty of sin. And, and you will be in heaven when you die. But that's not the end game for Christianity. God wants you to live victoriously now. He wants you to be used for his kingdom glory now. And in order to do that, there are battles that we must face. And there are battles that we must be victorious in. So the land of Canaan, no offense to the old hymn writers, but the land of Canaan doesn't represent heaven. It ain't Canaan land that we're trying to get to as a destination because there are enemies in Canaan. And so, and, so, and so Canaan is not heaven in the Old Testament. It's not a picture of heaven. What it's a picture of is spiritual maturity and spiritual warfare because there are still enemies that have to be dealt with after we've been delivered from Egypt or from our sin or from our bondage. And and so listen, victorious Christian living begins at salvation, but it continues through a process of sanctification as you and I are set apart and the Word of God and the Spirit of God are allowed to conquer the enemies that we face. That's why this book of 1 Samuel is so important because, man, it's on the tail end of a time of apathy and apostasy because, man, a whole generation forgot who God was, and they didn't teach their kids who God was, and now there's a whole generation that don't know who God is and what He's done. And yet, go back to 1 Samuel now, 1 Samuel is showing us that even in faithless times, man, you can have faithful living. And even in failing times, there can be faithful families. And I'm just telling you right now, listen, as we look at our culture and even the culture of Christianity, man, we have a lot of people that just don't even know who God is. And they may even be religious. They don't even know who they're worshiping, truthfully. But even in the midst of jacked up Christian culture and a lost world that's dying to go to and going to hell, listen, we can still have faithful families that live for God on purpose. And so last week we looked at 1 Samuel chapter 3 and we looked at this contrast 
between a man named Elkanah and a man named Eli. So, so last week was Father's Day, and, and we looked at First Samuel chapter 1. And right as the book opens, God shows us two different fathers in this passage. Elkanah is a picture or a type of a faithful man, full of faith. Man, he had a family lineage that God tracked back to four generations. God had a lot to say about who Elkanah was. He wanted you to know where he came from. But, but Elkanah, just like us, also had failure in his life. The Bible says that he had two wives. And that was never God's design, even if you're in the Old Testament. No offense. That, that wasn't God's design. And, and so yet, he had failure, but he learned to be faithful in the midst of his failure. He led his family to worship in Shiloh. And, and we saw this last week, that Shiloh was where the, the house of God was. That's, that's where the, the worship of God was centered during Joshua's leadership into leading Israel into the land of Canaan. The tabernacle was set up in Shiloh. That's where you went to meet with God. And listen, in this time of apostasy, not many people were going to Shiloh. But Elkanah was. Elkanah led his family there. He gave them worthy portions. He said, hey, listen, we're going to go and worship the one true God. And we learned last week that, man, Elkanah is a great example of a husband and a father leading his family to the house of God. And I'm not trying to re-preach last week, but it was pretty good, so I don't mind pulling a little bit of it. And let, let's be those kind of men. Let's be those kind of fathers that lead our family to the house of God. And, and listen, man, man, if, if you got here because of your wife or your kids, praise the Lord for that. But now, but now put yourself in the driver's seat, because that's where God wants you to be, under his authority and under his leadership. And, and and so we saw that in Elkanah's life. He led his home, but he also led his wife. And, and we talked about how, how when, when Samuel was born, man, that changed everything in their home. Hannah had prayed for a child, and God blessed her with this child. And now she, she had a role to fulfill in their family. Her task was now to wean her son. So her role in the marriage had to focus on this son that God had blessed their family in, and there was open communication in their marriage because Elkanah had to lead the rest of his family to worship God, and yet Hannah needed to stay and wean her son. And, and, and we made the point last week, man, when you have children, and some of you are, are really experiencing this in a very real way, man, it changes everything. <laughs> you don't even know what day of the week it is. I mean, seriously, like the first, I, I, I think I've told every guy in our church if I've had any conversation about having kids, like the first three months, you don't even know who you are. Like, like it's just a blur, right? At least the first three months. And some of your past three months, you're like, wait, I still don't know what, I'm a few years into this. I still don't know what day it is. Yes, it, it, yes, it changes everything. And, and so Elkanah and Hannah, man, they had to come to an agreement. The, the, the kid did not stop the family from worshiping God, and yet Hannah had to walk in her role for a season until her child could be weaned. And, and that's how it works. And, and God gives us an amazing picture of a marriage that is open in communication and understanding roles so that God can be glorified through both. And so Hannah had to wean her son Elkanah went to worship, okay? And, 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 and listen, and then ultimately, when that son was weaned, he was given to the Lord for service, right? He had to be weaned. 
And, and so we, we took this positive example of Elkanah, and we contrasted him with a, a guy named Eli, who God doesn't really give us any lineage other than all the way back to Aaron, the high priest in the book of Exodus. He just says he's of the Levites, he's of the, the lineage of Aaron, that's all he says about him, uh, and, and so there's not much detail concerning that. Eli also had failures, and man, he had numerous failures. And his failures weren't, weren't, weren't unnoticeable by God because God documents a lot of them. Number one, he let the lamp of God go out in the house of God. He, he, he let the thing go out that should have never went out in God's house. And if you, again, go back to Leviticus, the oil for that lamp was to be offered and there was to be a perpetual burning of the lamp in the house of God. And no priest and no priesthood should ever let that go out. And, and last week we saw that the lamp is connected to the Word of God. So when, so when the lamp goes out, there is no light. And let me just tell you, in any church, when the lamp goes out, I don't care how religious it is, there is no light. When the Word of God is no longer the authority in the house of God, the lamp has gone out. And when the Word of God is no longer the authority in your life and my life, the lamp has gone out. And when the lamp goes out, there's no power, there's no vision, there's no clarity, and you can be as religious as you want to be, and you'll be blind according to the Word of God. And so, and so Eli let the, the lamp of God's Word go out in the house of God Secondly, we saw that Eli no longer could hear from God himself. As a matter of fact, other men had to speak God's word into his life. And then thirdly, we saw that Eli was given over to his flesh. In other words, man, and, and man, how many of you had a donut this morning? Go ahead, own it. I watched. I'm just seeing if you're being honest right now. I had two, for the record. If you get here early, you can have two donuts, and the only people that see you are the praise team. And, and they're usually not critical, so, you know, whatever. Of that anyway, so... Man, Eli made himself fat with the offerings of the house of God. He made himself fat. In other words, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 4 that, that when he ultimately died, here's what God said about him. He was an old man and, and heavy. And you say, well, man, why is God calling him out on his, why is God like fat shaming him? I mean, like, we, we don't do that. Well, God wants you to know the reason he was heavy is because he was given over to his flesh. Everything that happened in the house of God wasn't for God's glory. It was for his fleshly desire. Man, Eli actually fed his flesh through the office of the priesthood. And, and he disdained and, and, and did not have a proper perspective of the things of God. And so ultimately, under his leadership, and we'll see it today, the Ark of the Covenant gets taken out of the house of God during his tenure. Man, the glory of God gets stolen under, 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 under Eli's watch. And, and so, man, we learned last week, we got to have faithful fathers. And you say, man, you're, you're filling time. I'm not filling time because, because, listen, if we don't have faithful fathers, how can we have faithful children? And really today, today is just the next obvious contrast that we're going to see in the Word of God. So, so we learned last week that we can be faithful in unfaithful times as a father. 
And so young people, I know you're about to go to camp, and, and listen, this is, this is for you, but it's also for every child of God in the house this morning. Just like we need faithful fathers, we need to have faithful children, children that will choose faith over their flesh, even in a failing culture. And so, and so this morning, we're going to do another contrast. Are you okay with that? And what we're going to do is we're going to see Samuel contrasted with the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. And so let me pray for us, and then we'll get cranking here. Father, we need you this morning. I, I pray, uh, Lord, help us as we, as Cody already prayed it, God, as we, as we come to your word, help us to, to have ears to hear and, and, Lord, eyes to see what your word has to say to us. God, I pray for our young people. Lord, they're about to go to camp, and I pray that this message just begins a stirring in their heart and a sensitivity to your word. And God, for every person in this place, God, help us to see ourselves as a child of God. And because of that, we need to see some things in our life that make us different. And so, Lord, help us to be those kind of people. We love you, give you glory. Thank you for speaking to us. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. And so, and so this morning, let's contrast these two groups of sons and let's talk about being a faithful child. Uh, as it relates to the Word of God, okay? And, and so this morning, I'm going to introduce you to Samuel, Samuel uh, the son of Elkanah, and Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli. First Samuel chapter 1, we'll look at verse 24, and here's your first blank. As we look at these two groups of sons, I want you to see that there are some similarities. Actually, both of these sons had similar beginnings. They had similar beginnings. And, and in your next blank in your notes, both children began in the, in the house of God. You find both of them at the beginning of the story in God's house. And that's very important, okay? So Samuel, we find him in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 24. And so this is talking about Hannah. It says, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her and three bullocks and one epoph of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto where? Unto the, the house of the Lord, where? In Shiloh. And the child was young. And so again, Shiloh is where the tabernacle was positioned. That was where people went to meet God in the land of Canaan. And so after she weaned her son, she fulfilled her promise and brought him where? To the house of God. You know, we had, we had baby dedication last week, right? You guys remember that? Does Father's Day seem like forever ago? It was just a week ago, man. And so last week, we had three families that dedicated their children and said, hey, we understand this kid's a gift from God. And so by God's grace, we're going to raise him in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But what we're doing is truly giving him back to God. Will, will that same commitment be there in five years, 10 years, 15 years? Man, will that, will that faithfulness of a mom and a dad and that commitment still be evident and it was with Hannah. Hannah had her son, and, and she weaned her son, and she fulfilled her promise. She brought him to God's house. And the Bible says the child was young. Now, Hophni and Phinehas also were there. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, This man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. It's talking about Elkanah. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And so isn't it interesting that this story begins not only with two fathers that, that connect in the house of God, but also children that start their story 
in God's house. And, and so the sons of, of Eli, man, listen, they were, they were priests. They were the priest kids. They, they were PKs, right? The P, priest kids, not preacher kids. This is Old Testament. We're talking about priest kids right here. And their ministry of God's house really was the family business, right? I mean, they were kind of born into it as Levites. Remember, Eli's lineage traces all the way back to Aaron, the high priest. And so both of them have a beginning in God's house. Number two, both ministered before the Lord. Both ministered before the Lord. Okay, so check this out. 1 Samuel 2 and verse 18. So the Bible says, but Samuel ministered before the Lord being a what? So, so a child can do something for God, by the way. Uh, I don't know if Leslie's in here or Colin's in here, but like this morning, uh, uh, Alex was getting ready for the greeters uh, for the door and getting the, the name badges out and stuff like that. And uh, Berkeley, Berkeley uh, connived him into getting one. And so she put that thing on and she's like walking around and following Mr. Alex and and I was like, man, put her on the door. Like, let's just let her greet. And so then, and then, and then Scotland was like, oh, I want a badge. And so then, I don't know if they were still greeting when you guys got here, but they were greeting for, for a while. Man, listen, children can do some things in God's house. And we actually ought to make opportunity for them to do that. Man, they can serve. They can sing. They can greet. Let me just give a shout out, man. They can clean. And some of you dudes, man, are rocking it. Because, man, like every Saturday, we have clean teams that come in and clean this place. And, and again, man, I, I don't want to be brash, but, but, man, if you're not here during the week, you really don't know what it takes to get this place ready for church. You don't know, man, what it's like to hang lights and scrub a toilet and dust mop the room. And, and listen, somebody does it. The question is, do you do it? And man, we got guys that are coming on Saturday and they're bringing their wife with them and they're bringing their kids with them. And their kids are showing up and serving this body in this place. And, and man, listen, they're ministering to the Lord. That's who they're ministering to. And because they're ministering to the Lord, we are the beneficiaries of that. And so man, some of you dudes, man, I'm just, I'm just giving you a shout out, not because you, you, you want it or desire it, but because it's, it's giving honor where honor's due. And, and man, if we're not careful... Our kids will think that the house of God is just a place to come and sit. God forbid. God forbid, man. This is a place to minister. This is a place to serve God. And we have men that are leading their children and leading their homes rightly. And those things don't go unnoticed. And so Samuel is ministering before the Lord. And again, Hophni and Phinehas, the Bible says that they are priests of the Lord in 1 Samuel 1 and 3. And so Part of their responsibility was to offer the sacrifices that were brought to the tabernacle. So they were hands-on. As people brought sacrifices and offerings, they were directly responsible. And so again, that's just a similarity. And then the third similarity is that both groups of sons knew not the Lord. And this is very interesting to me. Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 7, he's in the house of God. He's ministering to the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 3 and verse 7, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Well, how can he minister if he doesn't know the Lord? Well, why can't he? <laughs> why, can't, why can't he? Why can't our kids serve and greet? Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. 
So Samuel had been lent to the Lord by his parents. He's ministering in the Lord's house, but listen, he doesn't yet know the Lord personally. And can I just tell you, the same thing is true every Sunday here. As we have our kids in the back, man, we're teaching them prayerfully to love God. We're teaching them to love this church. We're teaching them to love their pastors. And and they love the donuts, because that's the first thing they run for when they come in. So we'll always have donuts just because the kids love it. Not because we're all getting fat. Anyways, okay. And man, man, our kids can't wait to get here. But, but let me also just remind us, many of our kids, man, are not yet saved. They don't know the Lord yet. And, and we have to have the discernment and understanding that, man, we're, we're positioning them to know God personally, but many of them don't yet. They don't yet. And that's okay. Because I would rather them be in the house of God than the devil's house, man. I would rather them be in the house of God than the world's system so that they can hear about the God who loves them and died for them. Man, listen, it's important because by God's grace and in God's timing, like Samuel, they'll come to know the Lord. That ought to be our prayer. You ought to be praying for your kid's salvation. Like when? When they're born. (laughs) Just go ahead and start praying then. That they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in their own life personally. And listen, bring them to church. But just know that because they're here doesn't mean they're saved. Doesn't mean that they know God. Okay, so Hophni and Phinehas now. Here's here's again a similar thing that's interesting. In 1 Samuel 2 and verse 12, I, I believe these sons were a little bit older possibly because they were already priests. It says, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. And they knew not the Lord. Well, Samuel didn't know the Lord, but he was a child. Hophni and Phinehas don't know the Lord, but again, I think they're probably a little bit older. And it says that they were sons of Belial. And as you study that in the scripture, man, every time that phrase is, you don't want to be called a son of Belial. And some of you already got the acronym down, man. You You don't want to be called a son of Belial. In the Bible, man, these were always wicked men. They drew people away to serve other gods. They were an abomination. They were perverts. They were resistant to truth. And they were resistant to God's man speaking truth into their life. And again, we covered a lot of that last week. And so, and so as we look at these two sons, we, we see Samuel and Hophni and Phinehas. They actually look very similar at the beginning. But here's the key that makes the difference. And here's the second point. And really, this is the point of the message. We're going to see, secondly, that these are sons that made significant choices. And these choices are going to begin to contrast these two sons. And they're going to make all the difference in the outcome of their lives. You see, they started with similar beginnings. But then each of them began to make significant choices in their life. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 28. And I want to show you this first point that Samuel made a choice to worship in God's house. He made a choice to worship in God's house. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 28. Again, Hannah saying, Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord, as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. 
And, and, and so as we, we get into this story, even as a child, Samuel begins to worship God. He is, a, he is choosing to worship. And, and so if you remember when, when we had men's conference last year, men especially, uh, Code taught us a, 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 a definition of worship that I think is absolutely biblically 100% accurate. Here it is. Worship is an attitude of adoration demonstrated by an appropriate action. It's an attitude that results in the right action based on the authority of God's Word. That's what worship is. Samuel worshiped God. He responded rightly to what God demanded of him. And so here's the key in your notes. Worship is a choice. It's a choice. And it's something that you individually have to choose for yourself. John 4 and verse 24 says this, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And as much as your worship pastor wants you to worship, he can't, he can't make you do it. You have to choose that. You have to have an appropriate attitude of adoration to God Almighty personally that results in appropriate action in response to His Word. That has to happen individually, personally, in each of our lives. So even in the house of God, there are people that choose to worship. And I don't just mean sing and raise their hand and all those things. I mean that they have the right attitude toward God and His Word. And as a result of that, it works out by faith and action in their life. There are people in God's house that truly worship. And there are people in God's house who don't. In the same house. Samuel worshipped. And so get the third key down. Worship is always governed by the Word of God. And so if you're going to have the right action in your life, it's going to be dictated by God's Word. Because listen, you can't say you're a worshiper if you're violating biblical truth or biblical authority. You're not truly worshiping God. Worship is in spirit and in truth. If we're going to worship, it has to be governed by the Word of God. And in other words, when I have the right attitude of adoration to God, then the result will be a biblical application of truth in my life. And listen to me very carefully. If it's not biblical, it's not worship. It's not. It's not worship. You say, well, 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 I love God, but here are the decisions that I'm going to make with my life. Listen, friend, if you filter those decisions and those actions through the authority of Scripture and they don't line up, it's not worship. I don't care what you say. It's not worship. You don't have a right attitude of adoration and you don't have a right authority because the authority is the Word of God. It is spirit and truth and you can't separate the two. And so Samuel made a choice to worship in God's house. How about you? Did you come in today with the, the attitude of adoration, praying, God, give me something today so that I can be closer to you? What is it today, God, that you would reveal to me so that I can walk out in appropriate action based on what I've learned from your word? You see, 
You see, I'm scared that many times we come to church, we come to the house of God, and we don't have the right attitude, and so we walk out without any action. What that means is that we're not truly worshiping. We're just religious. Well, we're going to see in just a second that Hophni and Phinehas, well, they were religious. But man, they weren't worshipers. They weren't worshipers. Okay, so let's see the contrast now, man. Samuel made a choice to worship in God's house, but here's the contrast. Hophni and Phinehas made a choice. And by the way, this is also a choice. They made a choice to profane God's house. And let me show you the things that they did that that led to their destruction. Number one, they profaned the offerings of God. They profaned the offerings of God. Remember, they are priests, and so their, their responsibility is to minister to the nation of Israel to offer these sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. But man, and and can I just tell you, that's a weighty responsibility. Who would want that job, by the way? You'd have to be an idiot, truly. And I don't use that term lightly. I use it all the time, but it's usually in context. You would have to be an idiot to be that guy. Nobody would want that. You want me to be the guy between your sacrifice and a holy God? No thanks. But that's what they were called to do. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 13 to 17, it gives us insight into these people's attitude toward the offerings of God. And so let me read it. Verse 13 says this, The priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething, in other words, in the pot or in the, in the boiling pot, so to speak, and with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand, he struck it in the pan or in the kettle or in the cauldron or the pot, whatever cooking instrument he used, all that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. Do you guys see what's happening? So as the sacrifice is being offering, it was customary to have a fle- a, what's called a flesh hook. By the way, that's an awesome instrument to grill with. <laughs> Walt made me a couple of those a couple of years ago, and uh, those things are great for turning steaks. It's just a big old hook on a stick. So this one had like three hooks, and they, they would take it and dip it in this, this offering that was sacrificed, that was burning or cooking, and whatever came out would be the priest portion. Because God provided for the priest through the offering of the people. New Testament application still there, by the way. Okay, so they did so in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came hither, and before they burned the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. Now, here, here's the thing. God never told them that they could do that as priest. God said, you can take of what's being offered as your portion or your provision, but they went a step further and said, no, actually, I'm going to need, a, I'm gonna need, that, uh, I'm gonna need that, uh, that T-bone cut out of that, and uh, get, just go ahead and give it to me raw. Don't even put it on the fire or anything. And if any man said to him, and by the way, they did that before the fat was offered. And if you read Leviticus, the fat had to be offered with the sacrifice. And if any man said, hey, let them not fail to burn the fat presently, uh, then take as much as I sold to Zariah, then he would answer him, nay, but thou shalt give it to me now. And if not, I will take it by force. And And so these priests, there was an order into how the offering was to be offered. The fat had to be burned with the sacrifice. You can go to Leviticus 3, verses 9 through 11. And once the fat was burned, then the priest could take 
his portion. But these guys said, nope, we're not even waiting for that. I want it now. And I want actually a good cut. So here's what you're going to give me. And if the dude offering the sacrifice had the, had the audacity to say, hey, bro, what you're doing is not right. That's wrong. Then the priest said, if you don't shut your mouth and give it to me, I'm going to knock your teeth out. That's in the Hebrew if you, if you study that. He said he's going to take it by force. They profane God's offering. The things that belong to God, they took for themselves. They demanded for themselves because they were given over to their flesh. Listen, can I just tell you, okay, spiritually speaking, that's a problem even today. Now listen, nobody rolled in today with your with your, your calf or your lamb that you're offering. I don't think anybody, I don't hear anything bleating. I don't hear the bleating of the sheep in the congregation today. But, but listen, there are sacrifices that do belong to God. The sacrifices of praise belong to God. There are spiritual things that are offered in this house for God. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 says that we as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer up what kind of sacrifices? Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to who? God by Jesus Christ. And listen, let me tell you how you can profane the offering of God today. Do you think anything in this house belongs to you? It doesn't. That includes the worship. That includes the praise. That includes the offering That includes the sacrifices made from the people of God to God. It's not yours. And the minute you think it is, you have profaned God's offering. Well, I don't like like what's being sung. I don't like what's being said. I don't like the the coffee. Listen, it's not yours anyways. It's not yours. And the minute that you think it is, you've moved from a position of worship to profaning God's house. I didn't expect an amen right there. You see, the danger is that we can be religious, but not right with God. Number two, Hophni and Phinehas profaned the people of God. Let me, let me show you how wicked these men were. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 22 says, Eli was very old, and he heard all that his sons did unto all Israel, how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And yet had no problem showing up every day doing what they do. And man, there's people in churches today that profane the people of God. And so let me talk to you young people for just a second. You need to know, young people, that not every guy, young ladies, not every guy in church has the right motives. You need to know that there are men in church, young men in church, that are only here for the girl. And you need to know, young men, that there are ladies that are here not to worship God, but ultimately to get connected. 
And I don't know what the motive is for you being here, but if it's anything other than to worship God, it's the wrong reason. Do yourself a favor. Repent and come for the right reason. And man, I've seen it. I've been around just long enough, man. I got enough gray in my beard now. Where I've seen it time after time after time. The man, the dude shows up and finds the pretty girl. And where she was serious about God and the things of God, man, he swept her off her feet and all of a sudden led her away. Instead of being a worshiper of God, she became a worshiper of him. Man, are you here to worship God or are you just here to feed your flesh and your lusts? Here's the question you need to answer. Man, if the guy is not here, will you still be here? If the girl is not here, will you still be here? Or is it dependent on your flesh whether or not you show up to the house of God? You see, you see these priests profaned the people of God. They used them for their own lusts and flesh to fulfill their fleshly desires, man. It is absolutely disgusting. And it's disgusting today, for the record. Number three, they profaned not only the offerings of God and the people of God, but number three, they profaned the priest of God, their father, Eli. Look at at 1 Samuel 2, verses 23 to 25. It says this, He said unto them, Why do you do such things? This is a father talking to his two sons. Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil uh, dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. By the way, if we went back to that first point of how, how they profaned the offering, they screwed up the offering so bad that men didn't want to bring an offering to God. Because when they came to offer a sacrifice to get right with God themselves, They had to deal with these corrupt, wicked priests. Now, I'm thankful that in the New Testament, there is such a thing as the priesthood of the believer. And you can pray to God directly, and you can worship God directly, and you can sacrifice to God directly. You don't need to go through anybody for anything. Thank God. But man, these dudes in the Old Testament, they they so corrupted the offering that men didn't even want to come to the house of God to sacrifice to God. My goodness. Now listen, there are people that would say, I'll never set foot in a church because it's full of hypocrites. And I used to make fun of those people and say, well, you're one too. We got room for plenty. But man, when you read this passage, it makes sense. You know, I can understand that. I can understand people that don't want to come to church because when they have come, instead of meeting Samuel, they met Hophni and Phinehas. And it turned them off to desiring a right relationship with God. I'm not making excuses for them, but I'm telling you I can understand it. I can understand it. And so, and so Eli is speaking to his children, and, and he's trying to correct them and judge them and, and, and ju- discipline them. And, and he says, listen, you're making God's people to transgress. Verse 25, if one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. You see, their father had lost his voice with his sons, and his sons would no longer hearken to his voice. 
And because they wouldn't hearken to his voice, they most certainly would not hearken to God's voice. So, so fathers, again, your voice as an authority in your home is significant because ultimately it sets your children up to submit themselves to God's authority as their heavenly father. And if you're not careful, and if you're not living a life that, that proves out all things, and listen, just like we learned earlier, every kid has their own choice to make. But man, listen, they saw hypocrisy in their father. And if we're not careful, man, our kids will see hypocrisy in us. And it'll get to the point where we lose our voice in their life. They won't hearken anymore. They won't heed any longer. And ultimately, except the grace of God, they won't hearken to God's voice. Man, man, these dudes, these sons are wicked men. They profane God's offering, God's people, God's priest. But everything they did was a choice. Samuel chose to worship. These men chose to profane. And that's where the road splits and the contrast becomes evident, which leads to number three, and we're done. We're going to see two sets of sons that experience shocking outcomes. And man, as different as those sons are and the choices they made, the difference in outcome is so substantially different. Number one, you see that Samuel, because of his choices, he grew before the Lord. He grew before the Lord. And so get this key in your notes. A right response in worship always works out to growth. If you want to grow, have a right adoration of God and an attitude of God and apply the things that you're learning biblically in your life. That will result in growth. Coming to church won't just make you grow. You have to become a worshiper of God. And, and listen, man, I'm not trying to be hard, but I'm telling you, you can sit in church your whole life, but if you don't have an attitude that results in an appropriate biblical action in your life, you're not growing. 1 Samuel 2, 21, the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and daughters, and the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Again, in verse 26, the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. And you see, even in that statement, there's a, a picture, a type of Jesus Christ. Luke, 52, Luke 2 and verse 52 says that Jesus Christ, as a child, increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. We don't have time because you're not listening fast enough, but, but if we had time to go to Luke chapter 2, that's the only statement about Christ's life from the age of 12 to the age of 30. There's 18 years, what some people call the 18 missing years of Christ's childhood. We know that he was 12, and then we know that he shows back up at age 30. Well, what did he do for those 18 years? Well, well, the Bible tells you what he did. He increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That's what he did for 18 years. And by the way, at the end of that, he was able to start his public ministry. That's what he did. And, 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 and so if, if Samuel grew in two areas, in, in favor with God and with man, and if Christ grew in favor with God and with man, it, it's probably reasonable to assume, even though we don't like to assume around here, that when you grow, you're going to grow in favor with God and with man. Why? Well, because you need to have a right relationship with God 
but you need to also know how to reach men. You see, you see if, if man, ugh, I wish we had more time. If you would say, man, I'm right with God and I have a great relationship with God, I'm not going to doubt that at all. But if you don't grow in favor with men, how are you going to reach them? How are you going to reach men? And listen, some of you are very favorable with men. Man, you have the ability to make relationships well and connect with people and you have favor with men. Man, you don't leverage that for God's glory. You don't connect those men back to the God that loves them and wants to save them from their sin. And so, so Samuel grew in both, Christ grew in both, and so should we. Number, number two, Samuel not only grew, but he's going to be called by the Lord. We're going to see that next week, Samuel's call. And, and two offices that he's going to be called into is the office of the prophet and the office of the priest. Again, both types or pictures in the Old Testament of Jesus Christ. So historically, he's going to be called into the into the office of the priest and the prophet. Historically, that's fulfilled in Samuel's life. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 35. I will raise me up a faithful priest. That literally happens after Eli dies, Samuel becomes the priest. But doctrinally, that points forward to the person of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 tells us that Christ is our high priest, Christ Jesus. But can I just tell you personally, when God grows you up, he wants you to do something. And and so inspirationally, listen, when God calls you, there's something for you to do. And so inspirationally, this should be fulfilled by you. God's looking for faithful people, and specifically who will speak his words and offer spiritual sacrifices to him. As mentioned, we have the individual priesthood of the believer. And man, God... God's calling on our life is to take the gospel to the people that need to hear it. I'm not saying the gift of prophecy is still active today, but I am saying inspirationally we can speak God's words to the people that need to hear it. That, that's what it is. And so, and so let's walk in that calling, and, and then if we contrast that with Hopney and Phineas, man, listen, they were killed by the Lord. That's horrible. And again, 1 Samuel 4 if we look at verses 3 and 4, the Philistines come to battle against Israel. The Philistines are always a type of the flesh in the Old Testament. And they come to battle against Israel, and, and Israel has this genius idea. Hey, we're, we're about to go into battle. Let's go get the Ark of the Covenant out of the tabernacle and take it with us. Let's get our, our lucky charm that will somehow guarantee success. Well, that didn't work out so good. By the way, when that happened, the Bible says that Hophni and Phinehas were there. They let the children of Israel take the ark out of the tabernacle. Bad decision. Bad move. These were already corrupt men. God already promised to judge them. But man, their life ends with a bad decision. Verse, chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, The Philistines fought. Israel was smitten. They fled every man into his tent, and there was a great slaughter. And there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. I mean, God said all the way back in chapter 2, man, because of the wickedness of these, these two sons, man, I'm going to kill them. They, they received God's judgment because they failed to repent. He said in 1 Samuel 2 and verse 34, in one day... 
They shall both die, both of them. So, so you know this story. Let me wind it down, man. The story started with Samuel, Hophni, and Phinehas. Very similar stories. In the house of God, didn't know God, both ministered to God. Very similar beginnings. But man, when you look at the end of the story, polar opposites. One becomes a faithful priest and a faithful prophet of God. Two die in their sin. So so how did that contrast happen? Well, it happened because of choices. It happened because choices. And the same reality is true for our young people in this room, and the same reality is true for every child of God in this room or that's watching online. Your choices matter. And your choices will lead you to a destination. You see, Hophni and Phinehas didn't get where they got by accident. And Samuel didn't get where he got by accident either. It was based on choice. Samuel chose to worship God, and he responded rightly to God's word. He had an attitude of adoration that resulted in an appropriate action in his life. Please come next week. We're going to see it time and time again. When God spoke to him, he listened. He had an ear to hear. When God spoke to him, he listened. He had an ear to hear. But listen, Hophni and Phinehas, instead of choosing to worship God, they chose to profane God's offerings, profane God's people, and profane God's priests. Because of that, they were destroyed. But man, that gives us a significant choice. And it ought to put in our lap now a decision that we must make. What kind of people are we going to be? Man, some of you here, listen, I love you. You're in God's house. But you've got to choose to worship God. You're not a worshiper based on zip code or physical address or church membership. You're a worshiper because you have a right attitude before this book and a willingness to live it out by faith. That's what makes you a worshiper. It's spirit and truth. And man, I, I don't have any names in my head. I'm just, I know that in the same house, there's Samuels, and in the same house, there's Hophni and Phineas. In the same house. I know in the same house, there's Elkanah's, and in the same house, there's Eli's question is, which one are you going to be? Which one are you going to be? What kind of son, what kind of child of God are you going to be in this place? And and maybe you're here and you don't even know God. And today would be a great day for you to understand who he is. You know, I know you hear me give an invitation in this church, and I know probably some of you think, man, all of us are saved, except the one that may not be. And there may be somebody here today or somebody watching online that would say, you know what, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot like Hophni and Phinehas, man. I can minister, I can do things in church, I've been around church, but I don't yet know the Lord personally. And the problem of my worship is the truth that I don't know Him. 
And maybe you need to settle that issue today. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we, le- we really need you this morning, God. I pray, Lord, I know it's significant truth from your word.